Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're in a series that we've entitled The Gifts of the Wise Men. And if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, you know, in essence, we are really talking about the greatest story that ever has been told. How many of you have already started watching some Christmas movies? Let, let me see your hands. And those are great stories. How many of you have already watched Elf? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Anybody know an Elf? No, I'm just kidding. But how many of you have watched How many of you watched A Christmas Story? Let, let me see your hands. A Christmas Story. Yeah, I don't like that movie either. Anyway, so um, what about um, It's a Wonderful Life? Anybody see that yet? Oh, that man, that, that, that's, that, that's a good, there's so many good stories. But I'm telling you today, what we're talking about is the greatest story that has ever been told. Jesus coming to this earth. And right now, this is my favorite scripture in this season is Luke chapter two, verse 11. It says, for there is born to you. Everybody say me. That's so personal. Born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. God knew we would need a savior. And I don't care who you are. We all need savior. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. You don't have in the bank. I don't care how good looking you are, how tall you are, how short you are. Come on, somebody, how buff you are like my man Marcos back there, right? It doesn't matter. We all need a savior. Can I hear a good amen today? And so in this season, God sent his son because he knew what we would need. And this is my prayer in this series and in this season as we go into the Christmas time and that you wouldn't just celebrate the Savior and go, yeah, Jesus is awesome, but you would actually experience his saving power. How many of you know the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so he's still saving in every aspect. His power has not diminished one ounce. And so I pray that in this season, we in this world would actually experience the Savior. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at these gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. And what I'm finding out as I am just studying this and studying this, this is probably one of the best and most incredible worship experiences that nobody talks about of what these men did. And so we're looking at why did they bring these three gifts? What is it significant about these three gifts? Because my church family, God was drawing them. He used a star, but he was drawing them to himself. Did you find Matthew chapter two, verse one? Come on, let's read the the Christmas story again. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King, King Herod the king, behold, there was wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he born king of the Jews? Everybody say that with me, say king of the Jews. That's important. And then we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the, the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. Then Herod, when he had privily uh, called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what, where, where the star had appeared in verse eight. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when he had found them, bring word to them again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And they saw the star and they rejoiced. Come on, somebody say rejoice. With exceedingly great joy and with Mary, his mother, they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is part two. Today we're going to talk about frankincense and the significance of that. But if you would allow me to, you know, we have people that are joining us in this series for the very very first time. And so when you look at the wise men, they are a very big part, a very popular part of the Christmas story, the nativity. 
What we've learned last week is that they weren't actually there when Jesus was born, when the shepherds were there and all that. They actually came two years later. Jesus was a young child at the time. And here's, we don't, here's what we know about these men. We don't know their names. And I thought that that was kind of interesting because there are people in the Bible who have done incredible things and we don't know their names. And one of the things when I read about people that don't have a name, it always reminds me that God is more important with the fruit of your life than the title of your life. God is more important with what you do and more, uh, what's more important to him is the fruit that you bear than just the title that you have. Come on, somebody, I'm already preaching this morning. Right, Because you can have a title, but the Bible says that we will know them by their fruit. And here we are celebrating and looking to them because they are worshiping the king. Now, these wise men, this name wise men was given to them by the Persians and the Babylonians. The Bible says that they were from the east. And it wasn't a self-titled name that they gave themselves. The wise men, which actually it's translated Magi, was translated to great and powerful rich men. That's what it meant. It meant that these men were significant. They had riches. They were powerful men. Let me just say this. Historians have studied these men. People have actually visited their graves because people wanted to be associated with their influence. Today, Thousands of years later, we are reading about their lives. My church family, this is not a Disney story. This is a real life story of people sacrifice to worship the king. Can I hear a good amen today? And so people wanted to be associated with these rich and powerful men. Historians, some non-Bible historians and others suggested that there weren't just three that there could have been in excess of 700 wise men. And that makes sense because that's why Herod feared them so much. Because when they showed up, it wasn't just three guys, right? It was three men, but representing, there was others. 700 came to worship. And what you're gonna find out with these men is that they had a heart for God. They had a heart to worship. The Bible says, and historians tell us that they were from the East, and the Bible uh, doesn't give them names, but historians describe, them. Some were Indian, some were um, Persian, but um, they were possibly from Arabia. So it took them two years to get to Jerusalem. The scripture tells us what their motivation is. Their motivation wasn't to see the phenomenon. Their motivation wasn't to see all the angels, to pet the donkeys. Come on, somebody. The motivation was to worship the king of the Jews. And we talked about that last week because it wasn't even their king. They were from a part of the world that criticized, that the Jews actually hated. And there's still animosity between them today. And so the Arabs, when they came from that part of the world, they had to put away their prejudices to come and worship the king who wasn't their king, but they knew he was the king, and they called him the king of the Jews. And so they came to worship. They came to worship. They came to bow down. My church family, the scripture is very clear. And this morning, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody, all right? I think you all know my heart. But the Bible does not say that they came to worship Mary. The Bible does not say that they came to worship Joseph. The Bible says that they came to worship Jesus, the King of the Jews, the Messiah. Can I hear a good amen today? Because Jesus is the hero of Christmas. It's not Santa Claus. It's not Topo Gijo. Come on, somebody. Sometimes I speak in tongues. My, my Spanish just comes out. It's not Topo Gijo, come on. It's not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not even as cute as he is. It is not Frosty. Frosty will melt. Come on, somebody. The real hero is Jesus, and that's who they came to worship. That's who they came to worship. And the Bible says this, that they fell down, and here's what they did, is they worshiped him and they opened their treasures. And when they opened their treasures, they presented those treasures as gifts. And what we talked about last week is that the Bible equates your treasures and your heart. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I do believe that the Bible lists these in a certain order for a reason. Their first gift was gold. And last week we talked about 
gold. We talked about that it signifies dignity. So they were saying that he was God. They were saying that he was a king. But my church family, these rich and powerful men gave and worshiped by giving their gold. What they were saying was gold is a treasure for us, but it's not our ultimate treasure. Jesus here is our gold. You are more valuable to us than our gold. So many people worship gold. The Bible says it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not money. We all need it. We have to pay bills. But my church family, it's the love of it. And they put their gold at Jesus's feet. And they were declaring with their worship, our gold is not our ultimate treasure. In other words, Jesus, you are my ultimate treasure. You have our whole heart. Remember Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So they were giving. It was an act of worship. My church family, the Bible talks about our giving of our finances, of our gold. And I want to say this, and then we'll just move on. Money is neutral. You can use it to go and buy Starbucks today. You can use it to put in the offering and bless somebody. You can use it to gamble in Las Vegas. Money is neutral. Money always takes on the personality of a person's heart. And so money is is neutral. But you know what they did is they took that and they used it to worship God. Can I hear a good amen today? They used and they worship with their finances. And I will say this, and then we're going to move into, the, into part two today. But money is one of the only things I believe that people and money will try to become your security. I told this last week, and I want to say it again. I was talking with somebody. They were talking about their 401K in this last year. And they said more than half of their 401K was wiped out with a decision that the company made. Money cannot be your security. It has to be in God. And so many people, how do you know if money is your God? You're not generous. You don't give. And what does that say? That says that money has a bigger part of your heart than God does. And let me say this. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants all of it. That's how we experience intimate worship. Can I hear a good amen today? And then the Bible says the impact of that was joy. It was joy. And that's always what worship produces is joy. And today I want to talk about frankincense. Would you say frankincense? It's kind of a weird word, isn't it? But good thing is studying this week, I actually learned how to spell it because I misspelled it so many times. But writing it in my notes, I like have frankincense and all of these things. But I learned how to, how, to, how to spell it. But it's interesting because I think to better understand frankincense is you have to <laughs> separate frank with a K and then the I in sense. So really, frankincense was from a tree. It's literally an incense that came from a tree in Arabia. This tree actually grows around Mount Lebanon, and it's still there today. And uh, frankincense is, if you ever see it, it's like a transparent, milky, yellowish color. I just got all the attention of my, um, of my uh, uh, oh gosh, my essential oils people are, are like, I love this today. This is good. This is good. Remember, Frank, did anybody remember Essential oils, anybody remember that? Yeah, yeah, that, everything comes and goes, right? We still use it. I'm just going to be honest with you. My, my son has a, has a stomach ache, and my wife rubs some stuff, and then he smells like a piece of wood. I'm like, what the, what the heck? But, you know, we, we still use that. But if you're familiar with, with that kind of stuff, frankincense was this incense that we could actually smell. It was like an oil, but it had this, like, like a yellowishy color. And uh, here's how you got frankincense. You had to access the tree of where it grew and you had to slice the tree and kind of like sap would come out then frankincense would come out and so uh, in these times if you walked into a house you could smell they would burn the uh, the frankincense and it would come out like a incense but here's the here's what happened incense and this frankincense was associated with royalty and kings it was called the incense of kings so when the three wise men came and they presented frankincense. They were honoring Jesus's kingship. And I just want you to get a picture of this. They're putting their gold and their frankincense in front of a two-year-old child. 
because they believed that he was the king of the Jews. So it wasn't like this massive, you know, you know, glowing. It was a two-year-old child, but because they had faith of who he was, they presented this frankincense. It's called the incense of king. Now, this is what, I, this to me, and I, I, I feel so, I have to confess my sin before you because I've read these so many times and I've never studied these gifts. And I'm just, I'm sad because I'm like, we read it and we just kind of gloss over it. Yeah, they brought their gold, you know, they, they brought frankincense. I don't know what that is, but they brought it. But just studying what this means, it's so significant because remember, God was drawing them. Not only did God draw to himself the lowest of the low, the shepherds, but he, he was drawing the richest of the rich, the most powerful and the influence and the wise men. And so they came. So they had a heart for God. And so I believe that these gifts were God inspired. But frankincense, when you begin to burn it, it lets off this incense. Now, you have to remember this. In this part of the world, and still in some third world countries today, they don't have the sewage and the plumbing that we have, right? Their sewage sometimes can run through the, 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 the street. I don't know if you've ever been to a third world country or a country that doesn't have good plumbing, but you can actually be walking on the streets and the, the smell and the stench is so bad. It's so bad that... I've been in, in some of these countries on missions trips that when you even leave three days later, you still are reminded of the stench. Can I hear a good amen today? So what they would do is they would take the frankincense and they would burn it as incense and it would cause an aroma in the house. And what that aroma would do, it would smell so good, is that it would, it would alleviate the stench from the house. Let me say it this way, the way I put it in my notes. The royalty would burn the incense to keep the stench from the city out of their home. So, but here's, here's, here's the significance. If you walked into a room and there was frankincense that was burning, not only did that room not smell like the city, but everyone knew when you smelt frankincense, there was somebody there of royalty because it had the connotation of being adored. In other words, because there was a royal person or a king there, when you smelt this, their palace didn't smell like the streets. Their palace smelt differently. So if you were to walk into a place and you smelt that, you knew that at some point there was going to be a dignitary, somebody who was royal, who was going to be adored. And they were putting this at Jesus's feet. My church family, there are still royal families in the earth today, England, Spain, right? And because of their royalty and their birthright, they have access to privileges that you and I don't have, right? The royal family in England have different houses, fully staffed all the time. They're like, hey, you want to go to Ireland today? Let's go to Ireland. Fully staffed, we're going to go. They have yachts, fully staffed. Hey, let's go on the yacht today, right? I don't have that. Maybe many of you in this room, we don't have access to that type of royalty. But as I studied frankincense even deeper, here's what I found. It wasn't just accessible to royalty. It was actually accessible to everyone. All you had to do was get to the tree. All you had to do was to be able to get to the tree and slice the tree. And you could have the same aroma in your house that they had in the palace. But all you had to do was get to the tree. See, my church family, you and I, can I put it so you can understand it? You and I were filled with the stench of sin, right? Sin was all over us, but there was a tree that if you get to that tree, it would take away the stench of sin. 
And that tree for you and I is called the cross. And what Jesus did at the cross made you and I, who were peasants and beggars, royalty. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you can proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. If you can make it to the cross and the tree, you can go from being a peasant to royalty and enjoy everything that God has for you. Because the cross, my church family, isn't just for poor people. The cross isn't just for rich people. It's for everybody. And if you've been to the cross, can you give the Lord a great round of applause today? So Jesus, who was righteous and holy, became sin on the cross so you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, Jesus, who was rich, how many of you know God wasn't poor? When Jesus was on the earth, they were gambling for his clothes. When you get to heaven, my church family, there's not going to be a 99-cent store up there. No big lots. Come on, somebody. You will be walking on streets of gold, cities of gold, because our God is rich. And the Bible says that when Jesus took on flesh, he, although he was rich on the cross, became poor. And through his poverty, that you might become rich. One translation says, you can be well supplied. So I am not some peasant. Now I am a recipient of the righteousness of God, of the richness and wellness of God. Can I hear a good amen today? And I am a child of God because of the tree. Oh, I thought you'd get more excited than that. That's all right. Did I tell you there's coffee in the lobby? So if you drink a little bit, you may respond better. So are you ready? So because of the tree, the cross, I can enjoy the royal life that Jesus came to give me. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And my church family, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross that you and I today are a royal priesthood. I don't know how you see yourself. I love when I talk to people and they're just like, well, Pastor Phil, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Notice what they put first. I'm just a sinner. Well, I'm actually not a sinner. I am a son of the living God. Yes, I make mistakes, but first, I don't identify with the sinner, but first, I identify with God's grace. Can I hear a good amen today? You can identify as being, I'm a sinner. That's why you keep sinning. But you know what? By the grace of God, because of the tree, you and I are righteous. Not because of what you did, because of what he did. Oh, Pastor Phil, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've been with. I don't care. I know what he did, and what he did will always be greater than what you did. You got to believe that. And so this gift of frankincense, they put before Jesus. It was the incense of kings. But here's what they were saying by this. You are the king of all people. Think about who's saying this. These are people, Arab people. They are identifying Jesus, not only his divinity, but also his humanity. And they're saying you are our king. He is our king, the king of all people. Whether you're black, white, yellow, polka dot, doesn't matter. He is the king of all people. That's our king. Nobody excluded. And so they were acknowledging his kingship. But in the rest of the time that we have together today, I think it would be appropriate to go just a little bit deeper because we're talking about their motive here was to worship. Everybody say worship. That's what they came to do. Now, I want you to notice what the frankincense did when you burnt it and it became incense. It actually would change the atmosphere of the room. 
Here's point number one for today. I do have points. Worship always changes the atmosphere. When the aroma of frankincense is put out in the room, it actually keeps the stench, let me say it this way, of the world coming into your house. It actually, the atmosphere of the world doesn't have to be in your home if you will worship. As you begin to read the Bible, Psalms 14 verse 1 talks about how worship is an aroma. Let me pray, the Bible says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Psalms 14, 141 verse 2 it says, my prayer, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the filling, uh, the lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. All right, I'm gonna say the S word in church. You may not come back. It's not a popular word, but I can't apologize for saying the S word. Are you ready? I'm gonna say it. Sacrifice. There, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not a popular word. But the Bible says that in our sacrifice, It's like worship that's an aroma that changes the atmosphere. The Bible talks about lifting up our hands. The Bible says in the Old Testament that Moses, when he lifted his hands and the Israelites were fighting, when he would lift his hands, they begin to win the battle. When his hands grew tired and his arms began to fall, they would lose the battle. So they actually had to have people come and hold up Moses' hands because as he worshiped, there's a principle there. As you worship, the atmosphere changes. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? Let me give you another example. There's a story in John chapter 12, and it's a story of Mary not Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, Lazarus's uh, sister. And Lazarus was raised from the dead and they're all having dinner. I just, when I think about that, you're having dinner with a guy that was dead a little while ago. Now he's like back to life. And you're like, hey, what what are you talking about? Hey man, like what's going on? Like, dude, like where, you know, what was this like? And they're all there. And the Bible says that Mary, she has such a heart for worship that she takes this jar of, of pure nard. It's, it's an expensive, expensive oil. It wasn't like a perfume, it was an oil. And she breaks it and she takes the oil and right in the middle of the dinner, right in the middle of Golden Corral, she gets down, come on somebody, and she starts to take her hair and she starts rubbing it. And the Bible says that she starts her tears tears start to fall down. And here's what the Bible says, John 12, 3. Then Mary took a pint of uh, uh, anointment of, of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Watch this. And the house was filled with the odor. Whatever that house, house smelled like before, it didn't smell like anymore because somebody started to worship. Now, I'm going to tell you something, my church family. You cannot have worship Here's number two, without sacrifice. You can't. You can't have worship without sacrifice. The wise men journeyed for two years. Can I just tell you, modern culture would be this. We get there to Jesus, we're like, Jesus, you just be happy that I'm here. I gave you my time. We're supposed to give God our time. We're supposed to give God our time, our treasure, and our talent because he's the only one that's worthy of your time in terms of overall in your heart. Can you hear a good amen today? They gave their time. They gave, and it's interesting, this woman, she gets this expensive perfume. How do we know that it's expensive? All right, watch this. Because Judas is there. Somebody say Judas. Judas is the one in this chapter when he's seeing, I mean, this girl is pouring out her heart. Judas sees the cost of this perfume and he puts a price to what she is worshiping. And he says, that is worth 300 denarii. Listen to what Judas says. Judas says, that could be giving to the poor. Now, you have to understand something. Jesus responds and says, Judas 
you will always have the poor among you. Giving to the poor is not wrong. But what she understood, and worship, people that worship are always in tune with what's happening. Just like this, these wise men. Mary, and Jesus is going to say, you don't understand. What she's doing, she is doing for my death. This was about two weeks before Jesus was going to go to the cross. We'll talk about this a little bit later because that's one of the things that myrrh represents. These kings understood what Jesus came to do. It's amazing to me how they knew all of these things and their gifts represented what they knew. And I just was thinking about how this is what worship people do. People who worship God, man, they understand what God is doing. They know his ways. They know his heart. They know what he is saying. And Jesus says, Mary, what she is doing for my burial. Jesus is actually going to say what she's doing right here, this aroma. Every time the gospel is preached, it will be to her credit. But Judas is like, we could give the poor to this. And the Bible says he said that while he would take his hand and put it into the bag because he was the accountant and take for himself. My church family, it wasn't about the poor. We did an event one time, this was years ago, for Easter, and we, we do a lot of stuff. We're doing Christmas and all these things because how many of you know you, the Bible says that we're supposed to do things to compel people to come? And that's why we're doing all the things, live nativity, all of the stuff. We want to compel people. Well, one Sunday, we were, it was Easter Sunday, and we were going to give away a big TV. We had all these gifts for people to come. We had about 400 people come, and I had one of our team members come up. Yeah, what's going on? I heard we were giving away a TV on Easter. That's not what Easter's about. I understand what it's about. But we're trying to get people in this room. If I tell a non-believer, hey, let's come and celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. Want to come? Maybe they would. Maybe they would. But all the promotion, the room was packed with 400 people. And you know what this guy said? You're giving away a TV? We could have given that money to the poor. I was like, you know, in all my years of a pastor, I've never had anybody quote Judas to me. You're going to quote Judas? We do feed the poor. And then that person was mad at who won the TV. He watched the whole time. And then he came up to me and says, you know, the person that won the TV, they don't deserve the TV. If you don't think worship has to do with your heart, my church family, then it's just a bunch of religion. But the Bible says where your treasure is, is your heart is. And when you look at Judas, and I'm just going to look at him for just a moment because I know when we talk about worship, we don't talk about Judas. But I'm telling you, he left a legacy that nobody wants to be a part of. Can I hear a good amen today? And he was quoted. That's the first time. I was like, man, that's the first time somebody quoted Judas. Nobody names their children after Judas. It's David and some even in Mexico, Jesus right? Jesus, right? Joshua, right? Sarah, all of these things. Nobody names their kid Judas. Hey, Judas, get over here. What are you doing, Judas? Get your, get your hand out of your mother's purse. Get over here, Judas. Nobody even names their dog Judas. And all my cat people, I've never met a cat named Judas. But Judas, can we go here for a minute? is tallying in his mind that Jesus is not worth 300 denarii. 300 denarii in the Bible represented every day that she had worked because you get paid for your time. So when you give of your finances, it represents your energy, your time, and your strength. It says 300 days. That, what she poured on Jesus, was worth a whole year's wage. Judas is going to sell out and betray Jesus for 32 pieces of silver. How much, when I was studying this, like this kind of deep, and then I felt like the Lord asked me this question. How much did it cost Judas not to worship Jesus because he sold Jesus out for 30, sorry, it wasn't 32, it was 30 pieces of silver. And then you know what I came up to? The cost for Judas not worshiping Jesus was self-destruction. 
self-destruction. She's giving 300 denarii. He'll sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Look at me. I'm only gonna spend 30 more seconds on Judas, I promise. The Bible says in John 13, three, Satan entered Judas's heart. His heart. Now, I don't believe as a Christian you can be demon-possessed. I believe you either have the Holy Spirit or there's another spirit. That's it. Christians can be oppressed. You can be so oppressed in your life that you can self-destruct. Can I hear a good amen today? In John 13, 3, it says Satan entered into his heart. How did Satan enter into his heart? Because Judas wasn't willing to surrender his heart to Jesus. My church family, when I was studying this, it made my stomach turn. I got goose pimples because when you look at Judas, he called Jesus master. The Bible says that not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. Because you can flatter God with your lips and your heart be far from him. I was like, I'm, I'm over here going to do it. I'm doing a checkup for the neck up. Because Judas followed Jesus, but he never surrendered his heart. What got his heart? His heart was so attached to the gold that it opened the door for the enemy to come in. Do you know how Judas died? You know how Judas died? Anybody know? Judas died because he went to the wrong tree. Jesus was dying on a tree, the tree that you and I should go to, the cross. But Judas got a noose and went to a tree, and he hung himself. You know what's sad is the Bible says that he got the gold before he killed himself, and he threw it back to the scribes and the Pharisees. You can't take it with you. If Judas just would have waited for a couple of moments, the cross was available to him. As, Jesus, as Judas was hanging himself, Jesus was hanging for Judas. If you'll go to the right tree, there'll be forgiveness. Can I hear a good amen today? Is this too deep for you? Pastor Phil, you know, I, I just came to hear about Christmas and the joy and the peace and, and the angels and, and be a little baby Jesus and, you know, and the joy and how can the joy, I get it. But all the joy, all the peace is a part of the kingdom of God. And you experience that when we open up our heart and we give it as a treasure to God. It's the benefits that we enjoy when we give Jesus our whole heart. Can I hear a good amen today? This is why King David said, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. You know, um, this week I was at a place um, that has a bunch of equipment. It's a sound place, and I would say there's probably at least a million, a million and a half of sound equipment all in this warehouse. We were there. We're talking about our Christmas Eve service, all this. I knew the owner. The owner was a very good man. Uh, he was a Christian man. And uh, one of my friends that works there told me that the owner had passed away. And it was, very, it was very sobering to be there and have the owner not there because I've seen him so many times. I knew him. Good man, good man. But as I sat there and we were looking at about a million, a million and a half worth of equipment that was there, I just thought to myself for a moment, he couldn't take any of this with him. Nothing. And now as he's in eternity, and he is an eternity, he was a Christian man, the only thing that he has are the treasures that he built up while he was on earth. But to sit there and have a million to a million five in assets that you could sell and put in your bank account, he no longer has access to. Why do I say all that? I say because in our worship, we have to give God our heart and what truly matters. Can I hear a good amen today? Let me just say this, and we're going to close. I had a, <laughs> I, we grew up with a poverty mentality. My dad was, you know, he's in heaven now. I have a great relationship. God, love you, dad, right? 
he's a great man. And, but we grew up, he came from Mexico, so he just had this poverty mentality. Nothing in our house worked. If you wanted to use the lamp, you had to give it an elbow, and then finally it would come on. You'd switch the things, it just wouldn't come on. Right, some things you have to kick, and then they would come on the refrigerator, just different things like that. And he just had this, I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy that would make himself a cup of coffee, and that whatever was left in the pot, he would drink for the next three days because he didn't want to waste coffee. So he, instead of just making a fresh cup in the morning every day, he didn't want to waste it. So there were times where we'd go over there, and he'd have a cup of styro, a styrofoam cup, put it in the microwave from three days ago, and he's reheating his coffee. Um, kind of interesting. He, uh, he came down with cancer, never wanted to go to the doctor. He's one of those guys, the macho nacho, you know, like, I ain't going to the doctor. And then when he finally did, it was a little too late. And um, our pastor, uh, he was on staff at our previous church. There was a treatment center. There's a treatment center here in, in, in TJ, Tijuana. Um, it's called Oasis of Hope. They do more of a uh, type of natural healing to attack cancer. Many people come from all over the world. They don't take insurance, and this isn't by any means any type of commercial, but um, we were going to do that because they have such a high success rate. People stage four cancer, they have such a, but you have to pay out of pocket. It's like $30,000. But I mean, if you go standard, you're probably going to end up paying $150,000 anyway. But here's my point. We asked my dad if he wanted to go and he says, $30,000, that's, that's a lot of money. He had houses now. And, but somebody came forth from the church and said, my dad's name is Jorge. Dr. Jorge, we're going to pay for your whole treatment, $30,000. Here it is. And it was interesting to us because you would think that that right there is the first miracle that you would go, thank you, God, for, right, he's our healer, but he can use these other things to help us. Thank you, Jesus, right? But he couldn't get over the fact that it was $30,000. And it really hit our family because that was his life this whole time. That he, and he was, he was the kind of guy, I love him, but one year I gave him this like polo sweatshirt for Christmas. I don't know, it was like like, I, I was like, Dad, I want you to look good. It's like a sweatshirt polo with the little emblem, a hundred bucks, man, that sweatshirt, and I'm just going to give it to him. And I thought maybe, because he always wore this one shirt over and over again. I'm like, Dad, I'm going to bless you. Never saw him wear it. But one Christmas, I got a gift, and I opened it up, and it was the gray sweatshirt that I bought him. He just re-gifted it back to me, and it still had the tag on it. So he didn't even buy me a gift, but that was his mentality. And I thought, you know, I know, you, I know you're going to think bad of me. I, I know, but I, I, this is the truth. I just thought, so I give it and you just give it back. You just rewrap it and you give me your leftovers. But I understood the way that he thought my church family. And what I'm saying to you at the end of his life, he couldn't fathom that his life was worth more than $30,000. Because in his heart, money had always been a problem. And at the end, I know he's in heaven. I know God loves him. But what I'm saying to you is that there are things in our heart that if we don't give to God, and he's been in so many worship services, he's heard messages on finances, on worship, but he never let that go. And in the end, I believe he died prematurely. What am I saying to you? Worship is going to be a sacrifice. It's going to have to, you're going to have to give of your time, of your finances. Not because God needs your money, but here's the reality. In your worship, he wants your whole heart. And when we worship, my church family, it's an aroma. It's more than just lifting our hands. It's more than just singing a song. It is our heart. It is, worship is a posture of the heart. And when you worship, that's why I think Sundays are so important. When we come in this room and we all begin to worship, healings can happen. Why? Because it changes the atmosphere of our lives. That you, right in your home, if you will lift your hands and begin to worship and give God your heart, do you know that the aroma can change the atmosphere of your house, that everything that's going on in the world 
doesn't pollute your home and your life. Can I hear a good amen today? I never knew, looking into the three wise men, that this was such a great worship experience. I want to end with this today. Do you know the Bible talks about you and I having an aroma around our lives? And here's number three as we close today. Your life, our life has a fragrance. You know, frankincense smelled good. It smelled better than what the world or what was in the city. See, your life, we may call it a vibe. We may call it an aura. But the Bible says that your life actually has a fragrance. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. One translation says it this way. Our offering to God is to be the perfume of Christ that goes out to those who are being saved and to those who are being lost. My life is the fragrance of Christ to other people. This is also another result of worshiping. The more you worship God and you give him your heart, my church family, you start to become like him. You start to have an aura, a vibe, a Jesus vibe, a peace vibe, a joy vibe. You begin to have a fragrance of Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? And so when you and I are obedient and we act according to the word, Paul says, Ephesians chapter five, verse two, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us. Look at that, as an offering. Jesus came to this world and sacrificed, gave of himself, of his humanity, right? He was clothed in fresh and he sacrificed on the cross. And it says this, he gave it as an offering and as a sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling savor. And you and I in our life have a fragrance. And I want the fragrance of my life not to be about Phil Valdez, but about the glory of God. The mistake that Judas made is he forfeited God's glory for his own glory. And my church friend, my, my church family and my friends, listen, and it ended in self-destruction. Wow, Pastor Phil, this is a real encouraging message today. You know, I'm, I know, but I got to tell you something. I got to love you enough to tell you that you can look at the things of God, be in a church service like today, have a worship song on, and God not have your heart. I don't want you to end up like Judas. I don't want you to end up self-destructing. I want your life to be a sweet-smelling aroma of who our king is, Jesus. And the worship that we can give to him, my church family, can change the trajectory of not only our life, but our world. And I hear a good amen today. Did you receive something today? Can you give the Lord a good round of applause? I want you just to bow your heads for just a moment, if you would. You know, when I was studying, I, I, I was checking my own heart because I want to make sure, not that I don't have treasures. We all have treasures. My son is my treasure, my wife, I, my house is a treasure, but it's not the treasure. And I don't want to give any opportunity to the enemy to get into my heart because the Bible says out of your heart flows the issues of your life. Some people, it's kind of crazy because we all worship something. And I felt like this week, I need to say this. There's some of you and maybe someone, you're worshiping your pain. You don't understand, Phil. People hurt me. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I get it. But it's not whining that changes the atmosphere. It's worship. And if you hold on to your pain long enough, it's going to start manifesting in your physical body. Every head bowed and every eye closed. 
And we worship God by being obedient and saying, God, I forgive that person who hurt me. I let it go, God. That's an act of worship. And so we can worship all of these different things. For some, it is money. For some, it's pain. For some, it's their own successes. But if you will, just like the wise men, put it at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, you are my ultimate treasure. Your atmosphere of your life will change. Your heart will change. And that's what God wants. He wants you. He wants intimacy with you. Intimacy into me see all of it today with every head bowed and every eye closed father god today we we honor you and we worship you we have a savior that you have given us and lord today we bow our hearts before you in worship Lord, if we'll be honest, some of the things that are happening in our life are a result of where we've placed our treasures. And so today, Father, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would release. And today, Father God, we would give you our all. Even if our heart is broken, we give it to you and say, Lord, only you can take a heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh because that's what you want. You want us, our heart. Lord, we want to experience you in new dimensions of intimacy and worship. And I pray that today, not one thing that's in our heart will hold us back. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we never like to close out a Passion Life Church service without giving people the opportunity to come to know this Savior. You know, I just want to take a moment because there's head bowed and eyes closed, and I just feel by the Holy Spirit right now that God's doing a work. There's some of you right now, and this is what happens. As soon as you start to open your heart, he starts to come in, and he starts to heal. He starts to encourage. He starts to, why? Not that he couldn't do it before, but your heart was closed. But as we begin to open up areas of my, our life that say, God, here's my whole heart. I'm all yours, everything I have, all of me, hurt, good, successes, mistakes, here I am. Oh, that's worship. And right now, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is starting to move in some of your hearts. I feel it. So let's honor that today. But I also want to say, if you are here and you've never invited Jesus to come inside your heart and receive this Savior, he has to be received. He died on the cross. Today, we're going to that tree to say, Jesus, you're my Savior. I cannot save myself. Because of what you did on the cross, I can have forgiveness of sin, and now I can become a royal priesthood, a holy nation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to say a prayer, and I'd like to invite you, if you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, to do that today, this Christmas, this season. If you've never prayed this prayer, I want you to pray with me. If you're watching online today, there's a reason why you're watching. There's a reason why you're here today. I want you to say this prayer. Passion Life today, can we say this all together so those that are saying it for the first time know that there's, they're a part of a family today. Let's say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. I repent today. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give all of those who prayed that prayer a great round of applause today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.